0: So I think uh, I'll go uh, Houston-Kansas City to kick off the NFL season.
1: Love it. Yeah, CJ Stroud, yep.
0: Patrick Mahomes. You remember he had Detroit and Kansas City this past year?
1: Exciting young More player. Hardball. Exciting young yeah, coach. Yeah, they might
0: want to save that for – like Kansas City's home schedule isn't great. Oh, they may yeah. save a that Sunday night game. game. Like they're, they're, I think they'll save a, a Ravens and a Bengals for prime time yeah, later yeah, in the no, season. Yeah, no doubt. All right, uh, fellow chief fan, Jacob Bigelow joins us now. Let's see how much sleep he got. Good morning.
2: Good morning. You sound normal? You sound normal?
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you, unfortunately, you do sound normal. Um, <laughs> how much uh, sleep last night?
2: Not much. Um, not I, uh, I. No, I. I probably got maybe four hours of sleep. So oh, that's not bad. Yeah, that's uh,
1: actually decent. That's not bad. Okay.
0: All right. Guys, at uh, five and a half. This is as a uh, fellow chief fan. This. Uh, it's a weird. It was a weird year. Because the part of the ball that has been so good wasn't. And there were probably times that, you know, both you and I and fellow Chief fans out there didn't enjoy the season. That's why it maybe feels weird today that they won the Super Bowl. Even if they have Patrick Mahomes in 87 and Big Red and that great defense, it just, this was so
2: unexpected. Oh, it was. I mean, it was genuinely, you know, unexpected. I mean, after they... After they lost to the Raiders on Christmas, and you know, my dad and I just kind of looked at each other like, "We don't know how the rest of this is going to go. This isn't good." But uh, no, last night I heard you guys talking earlier. I agree, it was not. I don't think it was a great game by any means. It was, uh, you know, but obviously won't trade the result and still just enjoying, you know, enjoying this ride. So, you know, I won't uh, won't complain. Will not complain. You will not hear that from me.
1: I want to ask it. This you you both can answer this as Chiefs fans, but uh, Jacob, uh, feel free to to lead off here because I always feel like you have to ask the dumbest question in the world when it comes to being able to celebrate moments like this multiple years. Does it ever get old winning like this, winning the big game? Does it ever get old?
2: Uh, it hasn't. But yeah, yeah. That's probably because I'm I just want someone
1: to say, "Yeah, it's getting kind of old."
2: No, I mean I went. There's you know, thirty-one I, teams in uh, the NFL that are saying that. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. I know. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> fan bases are. Yeah, they're probably tired of it for sure. But you know, I'm. It still. It still feels unreal to me. And I know three and five years. You know, you. You know, i It still feels. Still feels unreal to me. So that just makes it all the more enjoyable from my point of view. So. All
0: right. Let's uh. Let's talk some hoops. Let's first start with yesterday. Um. What is the importance of the win for Nebraska women against number two Iowa, but then the importance of a win where Amy Williams is right now with that program.
2: I think it's massive. It's massive on on both fronts. Not just for their their resume this year. You know, looking ahead to postseason play, but you know the obviously Jazz with you know she had ten in the last five minutes yesterday, but for. Two true freshmen in Logan Nisley and Natalie Potts to have the games that they had yesterday. And you know you know, Natalie Potts was up there post game looking like the Terminator, stone faced, no emotion whatsoever after you know an emotional win. Yeah, I think that you know, there's there's some there's some real momentum with that program. What they've got coming in next year, the pieces they already have in place that'll be you know they're going to be finishing out this year and then you add in a five-star recruit from just up the road next year i mean there's a lot to like about the current the current state of uh, nebraska women's basketball and, and what's to come and yesterday was was massive massive for that program uh,
1: and jacob i don't want to take anything away from what nebraska did but for a moment just you know the, the kind of the, the bigger picture of, of what yesterday was and what a lot of fans had a chance to see that maybe haven't had that chance in person to see in Caitlin Clark. Look, you've you've had a chance to see her, I, I believe, a few times now. With what you see on TV compared to like what you see in person, can you describe what what just watching sort of a generational type talent and, and how she's evolved into what she is right now? Like what what does that look like in person?
2: So yesterday was actually that was my first time. Oh, it was okay seeing, uh, seeing the Caitlin Clark experience live and up close, um, and it was. I mean it, it was it was crazy. It was different. I mean that environment yesterday was was different than you know, I've been to a lot of games in that building. That was completely different than anything I'd seen before. Um you know, it almost felt like a state tournament game on steroids mm-hmm. with how loud everyone was cheering for both, you know, every and, every basket there was. Yeah. That cheers, is a that's
0: a gr- that's a great point because it was young voices that were so loud. Yep.
2: Oh yeah, and it it, it felt like it Yeah. Felt like a big, you know, class A state tournament game on steroids. And it was, I mean, that was crazy. And it was, you know, the everyone kind of, you know, you kind of just, every time she had the ball in her hand, people were like, all right, what's she, what's she going to do next? And whether it was, you know, getting, you know, with the step backs or just going downhill to the rim. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it was the center of attention whenever the ball was in her hand and it was, you know, it, yeah, it was crazy. It was unlike anything I'd seen. And but I will also say on the flip side that you know the the noise in that building after Jazz hit that corner three that was up there for me in terms of crowd pops I've heard in that building. Yes. And I like you know that was it was an awesome awesome atmosphere, and it turned out to be a really really good basketball game too.
0: Jacob Bigelow from Huskers Illustrated joining us. So sticking with that and number uh, twenty two, there were a lot of people that paid a lot of money to go watch her play. Um, Can you think of a men's college basketball player that has had this kind of an effect on the economy of an opposing city that people would go out of their way to watch play?
2: No, I mean, I can't. I can't think of, you know, I can't think of a, a player. I can think of, like, some some teams maybe because like I mean I feel like in the ACC like whenever Duke comes to town you know people are going to show up and the you know Duke Duke Nat right now isn't Duke like under under Krzyzewski, but you know they still have all the talent and they still have the name on the front of the jersey um I mean I cannot yeah I can't think of a single a single player I mean the video of the you know the line wrapping around the Haymarket yesterday I mean that was that was <laughs> I hadn't you, you won't see much like that anywhere else, you know, and, you know, the people can joke all they want about the, the Caitlin Clark effect or what, it, you know, however you want to describe it, but you know, it, it, it's real. It's a legitimate thing. And, you know, I, I, I can't say I've ever seen you know, anything else like it, you know, centered around just one player.
1: And this is again, maybe a conversation that you get into maybe a week or two from now, uh, but based on the Nebraska women's season, what, Yesterday, a victory like that can do. I mean, this was a team that I was looking at bracketology uh, last week before the win. That they were uh, one of the la- they were I think their last four in. Obviously, this goes a long way from that standpoint of getting into the tournament. But as far as what they could ultimately accomplish, because Jacob, I I know kind of watching maybe a little bit more from afar, but casually. Women's college basketball seems to be a little bit more up for grabs than we've seen in recent years where it's like maybe the top three or four teams and then it is just everybody else in a far, far other tier. Does it feel like again, I'm not trying to say Nebraska, you know, look out in the tournament going for a run, but I mean we saw Creighton not that long ago go to the Elite Eight. Is this is this a type of win that you think can can spurt a little bit more of that confidence for what Nebraska could ultimately accomplish here by Big Ten's regular season's end?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it absolutely is, and you know, right now they're in a they're in a race where they could you know end up finishing fourth. They're close to fourth place in the standings right now, and you know, just like we've talked about with the the men's program as well, that double buy in the tournament up in Minneapolis would be huge. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's you know some there's some legitimate you know tangible you know momentum you know for the rest of the season, which is which is crazy because I mean they just lost to Rutgers, who you know that's Rutgers is one win in the Big Ten this year in women's hoops was against Nebraska and we've now seen both the flip side of you know what a what a deflating loss like that can be but you know we saw the complete reverse of that yesterday and you know the win like that I mean they've talked you know Jazz and Alexis Markowski talked about it yesterday I mean they've they their confidence never wavered and honestly this game was circled on the calendar but you know they've they're confident. They're a confident group. That's all. I've, that's the biggest takeaway ever. Mm-hmm. Whether it be from their head coach or from their players, is you know no matter who they're facing, they're they're a really confident group.
0: Uh, other takeaway is uh, Caitlin Clark wearing the Mamba Cita Kobe Sixes was pretty awesome as well. Um, let's shift to men's basketball. Help me here. So watching Nebraska just absolutely destroy Michigan, and Nebraska was ready to go from the jump. I thought Michigan was surprised by how Nebraska's energy was, and then the execution, and they had no answer, no answer whatsoever in that game. Help me here, Jacob, to enjoy that win by Nebraska on Saturday, but also be frustrated that that can't be replicated when they leave Pinnacle Bank Arena.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I I sound like a broken record at this point, but, I mean, they... I mean, there were some. I mean, the stretches early on, just the ball. I mean, I think the biggest thing that to me was the ball movement. I mean, that was the ball, the ball movement that they showed. You know, the extra passes, whether it be to the one to match for the open three, or Gary cutting for the dunk on the baseline. I mean, that was. I mean, I looked. I looked at the people sitting around me. I'm like, who are these guys? Like that was. not You know, and maybe it was because of who they who the opponent was on the other end and the season they've had that maybe amplified it a little bit, but I mean, yeah, it's the, you know, it's it's the groundhog day. It's groundhog day. Again, they look really good at home and you know, they, you know, it's, you need to, you got to get one, you got to get one, the rest of the, you know, on the road. And, you know, that's going to be the, that's the biggest thing you know looming large for this for this team down the stretch in my opinion and you know the the circumstances surrounding the three programs that they still have to face on the road you know I could talk for a while about that and why it's a favorable thing for Nebraska but i mean it's yeah, it's. I don't want to sound like a broken record and harp on the things we've talked about all season when it comes to differences between home and away. But I mean, yeah, Saturday was a, another example of that.
1: Okay, I'm going to harp on it again because there's there's something that we really did notice in that game against Michigan, and this is something that I, I'm I'm curious what you see. If this is more of a mindset, is it fatigue? Is it just maybe again who you're up against? You know, given the matchup. Nebraska's spacing, Nebraska's fluidity passing the basketball. I mean, it, and it was, they knew exactly where they were going. And there was never any, I know Fred's talked about it before, where they sometimes play in a crowd and it doesn't look great. Never saw that again against Michigan. And even at times, like I go back to the Purdue game, it all looked really good. So we're talking different personnel there. That is the one thing more than anything, Jacob, and I don't know if you noticed this too, that when you see things about to go bad, For Nebraska on the road, other than the obvious turnovers and offensive rebounding, that spacing is awful in like major stretches. What what's the root of that? Between why we see that so many times at home, where it's really good that offense is fluid to where it is, there's there's hardly any space at all, and everybody again, kind of like Fred says, playing in a crowd.
2: I mean, it's definitely fatigue and, and mindset because I mean the way Fred runs offense. I mean, they're not they're not calling a set, you know, every time down the floor, right. you know, Fred will call it the NBA style of reading. He calls it read and react, which, mm-hmm. you know, you read what the defense looks like and you react to it accordingly, whether that be making a cut, going to the ball, setting the screen, you know, it's, it's very, you know, up to, you know it's up to, it's up to the players really. And, you know, they, their mindset and, you know, in that game on Saturday, they're, they're making some good cuts. They're yep. making great passes, and you know we haven't seen we haven't seen anything you know look like that you know on the road. And you know that's all got to be about mindset and setting, and you know what you know the, the energy that the team has at that given moment. I mean, that's my only way to describe it. I know that sounds as cliche and coachy as it possibly could, but you know from from how Fred described how they run offense. I mean, that's kind of the only you know, the only uh, you know reasoning I can think of. I will
0: tell you, if they can – so what, the, what they need to do on the road is everybody's got to play like Sam Hoiberg, okay? We see what happens when they play with effort mm-hmm. and they at least try and get on the glass. I, I think something you guys were just mentioning is passing the ball. Like, yeah. they're, they're, they're passing out of the high post against Michigan. And, again, Michigan looks like they weren't even prepared for that game. But, but that's beside the point. Nebraska was, and, and the, the, the margin of victory was appropriate. But if they can get Rink Mast, who they put a lot of faith in to pass the basketball and to find an open man, if he can do what he did on Saturday, man, they're, they're in a really, really good spot. But I don't know that they can do that consistently. That's, my, that's mm-hmm. my frustration with this team is there's things they just can't do consistently, even when they're at home. And that's simply yeah. passing the basketball or just playing with constant Sam Hoiberg energy.
2: Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, you know, I've, I've said this, whether it be on here or on my pod, I mean, consistent inconsistency has been the, the theme of the season. And, you know, with this, this being the home stretch, I mean, you got to find, you got to find some semblance of consistency if you're going to, you know, do what you need to do to, you know, not be sweating, you know, at the end of uh you know, on the, the you know on Selection Sunday, you know, you got to have some semblance of consistency, and you know, you got to find what well, something that's portable, and you know, so you know, a way to, you know, a way to, you know, make make these performances and take these little things that we've seen, you know, you know, you don't have to put them all together and it all comes together at once or whatever. But I mean, you got to find some way to make some of it portable and repeatable down the stretch.
1: They get off their their legs for a week now. Uh, we've talked about this, Gary and I have talked about this, you and us, we've all talked about this. There are certain things about this team they are just not going to change. They're, they're not all of a sudden going to have a true Big Ten you know, 5 come in and help you out when it comes to rebounding. The turnovers just kind of are what they are. It's sporadic. But if there's anything that maybe best suits this team between yesterday when this break started to next Saturday taking on Penn State, you've been around this what What's emphasized the most this week, knowing that this is really the final break that this team gets before the season's end?
2: I mean talking to um uh, we you know we heard from Josiah Alec after the game on Saturday night, and I mean it sounds like they're putting a lot of they're gonna be putting a lot of emphasis- you know obviously they're gonna practice and prep for Penn State, but there's gonna be a lot of emphasis on recovery and treatment and sounds like there are uh, you know a couple guys that have had some some nagging you know season long you know obviously that's kept anyone out for an extended period of time but i mean just the just the time the time off from you know going you know full speed and games and all that i mean you know we you know these guys are all older they're all you know guys who have been through the grind and but I, i'm sure a little bit of time off to get a little extra treatment and rest yeah. to you know just prep for the stretch run. I think that'll that'll be the big point of emphasis, and I think it'll be huge for him.
0: Well, I think you see a head coach who I I don't believe is super happy right now, because I think he sees no. I, I think he sees that there is there is more that he can get out of this team, and he doesn't want this to be a what if scenario. Oh, we could have been in the tournament. Right. I I just think he's kind of stepped on it a little bit here, knowing that they they have an extra gear that they haven't reached yet. And he also doesn't he also doesn't want to have hey, we were in the tournament and now we're out of the yep. tournament, yep because we've suffered a couple of bad losses
2: oh no i I completely agree I mean he's had a little bit of more of a you know I don't want to say he has an edge, but I mean he's been a little more a little more fiery he's also been kind of sneaky funny in these last couple of weeks too. I'll give him that but he you know he's been I think i I would definitely agree with with that assessment I mean I think they're you know he knows he knows the importance of this this stretch just for for the team he has the perception of his program you know locally and in the conference I mean it's 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 huge it's a huge stretch and I think that is has not fallen upon any deaf ears on with Fred or with the coaching staff they know the enormity of what's to come
0: uh, we appreciate it uh, enjoy the week uh, we'll be uh, back on uh, Monday to talk about Penn State.
2: Yep, sounds good, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good Monday and a good rest of the week.
0: That's uh, Jacob Bigelow. Uh, good stuff there. Uh, quick note here. Uh, so, UCLA is still trying to find a football coach. Uh, I think Eric Bieniemy would be perfect to go back to Kansas City, uh, but he is moving up the list mm. at uh, UCLA. Remember when he got kicked off campus at Colorado? Yeah. He had some skeletons in the closet and they wouldn't allow him back on campus in Boulder. Mm-hmm. I could be the head coach at UCLA. Timing is everything.
1: Yep. Always, I, that question had been brought up to me a few different coaching cycles when Eric Bieniemy was actually – you at least knew he was going through a handful of interviews with NFL teams and not getting the job. And there was almost like he didn't get a lot of interviews. But even during the time he was, I remember getting that question quite a few times of, will Eric Bieniemy's first head coaching gig actually be in college? And, yeah, like people remember – colorado because again when colorado's job came up in a few different times his name was sort of floated out there but nothing more than that uh, he, he, it's it's interesting to think I, I don't know there to me there are certain guys that i just feel are pro type coaches as opposed to college coaches i don't know maybe i'm missing this one but i still feel like eric Bieniemy's best suited in the nfl
2: he
0: should uh hold out and uh when dion leaves after this upcoming right. year right. go back to his yeah, own timing's everything uh <laughs> Chris writes in, this is earlier in the show when our discussion about the UCLA job that now is open, and Chip Kelly is the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Great move for the CEO, Ryan Day. Mm-hmm. Ryan Day, better CEO than head coach.
1: Agreed. And, and you kind of yeah. have to be sometimes. I mean, look what he's home. done in the offseason here.
0: Well, he's he's perfected that. I mean, whether it be I'm going to be the CEO to save my ass because it's right. the last resort, I might get fired, which would still be crazy. His transition to being the CEO... I think it's gone pretty well. Yeah, it And you're at a place that's got deep pockets. Yep. Uh, Chris writes in, in the Equitable Bank inbox, uh, about Chip Kelly, does there need to be a deeper look at why in the heck the guy chose to leave a head coach job for an OC job? Is it as simple as he made so much money previously that the money doesn't matter anymore? Sure, guys take OC jobs to get back in the game after they get fired, but to take an OC job in the same conference that your old team is moving into? Here's what he did. It's yeah, a so very it's like selfish move. You hit it earlier. I, I think it is unfair to... The players at UCLA, mm-hmm. but when you're an NFL guy, and that's what kind of Chip Kelly has morphed into,
1: you don't care about players. Yeah, that's a business relationship. You, you don't want to
0: build a relationship. You don't really care about their feelings. Yeah, you know what? You still make more money than they do. Mm-hmm. Um, what his move was was to save his career, because he goes back to UCLA mm-hmm. and they have another. They have a bad year and he gets fired. He'd that's on toxic, his. Man. That's on his resume. Yep. So he goes 25 wins last three years, best stretch they've had in a while bounces to Ohio State, trying to get that next job. It's a career saver for Chip Kelly to move to Ohio State. Selfish when it's attached to UCLA. Smart play for him to go to Ohio State, of all places. But, you know, there's always guys that get on a hot seat, very rarely get off the hot seat. Mm -hmm. There are are so few of those. He was firmly on the hot seat. But UCLA, if you think you're going to fire somebody, do it. Yeah. Because look at the position you're if in If they would have done it when was reported back in November, there would have been dudes. They could have had better options mm-hmm. than Barry Odom, Eric Bieniemy, and Chris Horton. Yeah, try Barry Alvarez instead. But it's February. Instead. It's February. Yeah. I mean, this is what the guy yeah. just bolted to be the OC.
1: If you still have a a, a powerful brand, Pete if you st- still If you still, a- I mean, if if UCLA still holds any type of water just based on their national brand in the LA market you you really reduced any type of advantage that that might have I, I would I would go as far as this was something else we kind of discussed, and I, I think it, it does go to the mindset of certain coaches in college football right now where it doesn't bother me I don't think it, all of a sudden we need to have this long conversation about, oh my gosh, you know we're starting to lose all these coaches because I do think there are a certain section of coaches, and I think a lot of them have already identified themselves of ones that don't really care about. Um, having to re-recruit the roster, don't really care about NIL, don't really care about the transfer portal. It's not something that they necessarily want to have to dabble into as opposed to being able to just flat-out coach, being able to flat-out coach whether you're an offensive guy, a defensive guy. And then as you let the next couple of years play out in college football, maybe we get a little bit more guardrails when it comes to NIL and transfer portal. Maybe it's a little bit more manageable for coaches that were maybe feeling like they were overwhelmed by all these things going on, and so the next time it comes around where there's a head coaching opportunity, there might be a little bit more clearance yeah, and, think, and guidance on on what you can and can't think, do, and what you have to worry about I think as a head Chip coach.
0: Just wants to coach ball.
1: Right. I agree. I totally, no. I, I totally agree.
0: Wants to coach ball and go to Ohio State and yep. coach ball.
1: Yep. And, and make a lot of money doing so.
0: And maybe somebody in the NFL picks him up after mm-hmm. a good year at Ohio State. Yep. They're going to be scary. Chip Kelly designing that offense. Ooh, I, I might even put Ohio State above Georgia in the preseason Uh-oh. polls.
1: Don't let them hear that. Well, and, and all we can oh. do it, it, when we're judging, in this case, Ryan Day, of the job that they're doing right now, look, identifying and self-reflecting, so you're, you're self-evaluating. Okay, what is this program doing to, to where we're falling short of Michigan? We're not in the college football playoff this year. And how do not only do we qualify for the college football playoff and an expanded college football playoff, but how do we also put ourselves in the position to win the college football playoff?
0: Yeah, you also have a lot of money.
1: Yeah, yeah you do. But everything you're doing is addressing those types of issues yeah you're you're taking play calling responsibility off your plate but you're also bringing in a highly regarded offensive play calling offensive mind you're what you've done in the transfer portal what you've added to what is already a loaded roster coming back there's nothing that i can look and be like "Ooh, what what was ryan day thinking there like everything he's doing all the buttons he's pushing right now appear in the offseason look to be the right buttons will play out that way obviously this is why we pay attention to the season once it starts
0: all right, Amy Jess from the uh, Lincoln Journal Star. Uh, she was there yesterday. Uh, and she's here right now. Well, not like literally. I haven't put okay. her oh, on yet, she, but she's here. She in right. yeah, uh, she's in the green room? Yeah, we'll she's in the green room. her. Uh, she's in the virtual we'll green thoughts. room. That, it was quite the sporting event. That was a good day for women's basketball yesterday. It, it, I, I think it was. Um, and it was uh, quite the emotion on the uh, floor. By the way, I get another hat tip. Allison Williams on Fox did a great job on the floor interviewing. Her interview with Amy Williams was really good. And Jazz, I mean, that in the moment, good job by Allison Williams. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed that yesterday, and you got to see how important that was to Amy Williams. So we get Amy's just spelled differently. Her Aye. thoughts. That's coming up next on Mornings with Sharpen Hanley and Jimmy on 1620 The Zone. You've worked hard for what you have: your money,
1: your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to three million dollars in reimbursement.